is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. I want to start today with a fantastic review of my guest. This was written by Robert Gaynor in Bach track, and the opera is Verdi's Rigoletto. In the eponymous role was as rich a bass baritone as I have heard anywhere, emanating from the powerful diaphragm of Mark S. Doss. He has the ability to project even his whispers, and at full pelt can make your seat vibrate with his mighty voice. And once again, those are the words of Robert Gaynor from Bachtrack. Now, that says it all about the incredible Mark S. Doss, a Grammy Award-winning artist with a voice like God. He is a bear of a man, but his bear hug is gentle. His voice is powerful but his commitment to his sound and text is literally sensitive. There are only a few singers who commit their entire being to performance, and Mark S. Doss is one of them. He has some exciting projects coming up. One is of special interest. At Lincoln Center, Mark S. Doss will be doing an evening devoted to Paul Robeson. Here I Stand. Paul Robeson's 125th birthday, which will premiere on April 1st at 2 p.m. at the Kenneth C. Griffin Sidewalk Studio at David Geffen Hall at Lincoln Center. This project is in collaboration with the New York Philharmonic. So, Mark Estos, welcome to Center Stage again. It is a delight to have you. This is our third time. Third time is a charm, Mark. Right. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Pamela. It's good to, good to be here. Always. I want to hear those dulcet tones. I want to hear that voice yeah. of God, you know, coming up no. <laughs> over the waves to me. And literally over the waves, because I understand that you are in Switzerland right now. I am in Senegal in Switzerland, uh, doing a run of uh, The Time of Our Singing, a wonderful opera by Chris DeFort. Uh, so, yeah, we are uh, just finished the opening on uh, Saturday, the 11th. And we have our next performance set for Sunday, the nineteenth. Uh, so it's a bit of a long, <laughs> a long time between the opening and the the, the second performance. But uh, I have some things I can see. I want to uh, look through, rehearse, <laughs> whatnot for this upcoming Lincoln Center program. Hey, you've so got you've got time to enjoy Switzerland too. I mean, it's, yeah. it ain't no bad thing to be in Switzerland, Mark. It's a right, right, place. yeah, beautiful. Yeah, first first time in St. Gallen. So yeah, it's a sort of an uh, old nostalgic sort of place and oh, uh, and some new there's new there's you know the combination of old and new here so uh they've done it well i understand that the time of our singing is based on the powerful novel written by richard powers of the same name um can right. you tell us a little bit about about the opera yeah well the uh, opera takes uh, as much of a slice from the novel as it can i think it's uh, always the case uh, the novel is quite um i won't say uh complex because you go back and forth and there's a lot of um uh sort of reflecting you know back and uh, uh going forward and sometimes you know sort of that that's the way that you can do obviously when you're putting a novel together but uh and then going in depth in some of the characters whereas uh you can't do all that in 90 minutes or so of a of an opera two hours so uh, this is what uh, Christopher Ford has been able to do. Um, and, 
you know, we had an opening in the Brussels, I think, uh, just now, October uh, 22, when we had uh, something coming in from um, uh, our, our novice powers who congratulated us and wished us luck on the opening of our of that premiere of that uh, of the show. So now we have the we have the the remount of it here in St. Gallen, Switzerland, and uh, Christy Fort was actually here uh, for the opening uh, on Saturday. I gave a wonderful, you know, curtain call, and uh, the audience is extremely appreciative. And certainly, as performers, we were very appreciative to have composer and uh, such an incredible piece that's uh, just getting a good response. And will be done again actually at La Monet in Brussels uh, next year, Excellent. which I will be a part of. So I'm I'm uh, with you know my colleague uh, Claren McFadden. Uh, you know the two of us uh, did uh, the roles in Brussels, and we'll do it again. <laughs> Brussels, so it's good to come back uh, to see people uh, performing, and we have a good chemistry between us. She's my my daughter, and uh, I'm uh, Dr. William Daly, who is uh, sort of opposed to her interracial marriage, and uh, and the children that come from that marriage, thinking that they won't have any, you know, really any help, uh, just because they are mixed children, and um, he sort of lowers the the boom on her, and. Uh, and uh, her husband, um, uh, David Strom, is the, uh, the physicist, uh, David Strom, is uh, working on the, I guess, the Manhattan Project, as it were. So you have uh, references to Einstein in the, in the opera, which is interesting because in this area, you know, in Switzerland, you have a lot of hotel Einstein, I think, just a few blocks away from where I'm staying right now. And so I think that sort of perks up the audience, sort of perks up when they hear the, the name of Einstein. Um, so yeah, there are some uh, great, great connections there, and uh, the opera is very tuneful, very, uh, very nice. That uh, he has some uh, contemporary sort of uh, you know, motifs and whatnot, wonderful uh, accents and uh, rhythms that he puts into the spoken recitative, uh, which is not always easy. You know, I think it's one of the hardest things for composers to do sometimes is try to get the speech patterns right to make them interesting enough. Uh, sort of, I always think of the difference between a uh, handle and some of his, uh, you know, recitatives. It's always very creative, make little melodies that they're always coming out. So that's kind of what you get in some ways in this uh, in this opera with uh, with the Christopher. It's exciting. So I'm very very excited about doing yeah run. So we have what two more to do then in March and then three will be in in April. So it's all work. It's exciting for you to be in on the ground level on this new piece. And I know certainly we're being introduced to many, many new operas, contemporary operas, um, many dealing with biracial and, and racial issues. And of course, highlighting, mm -hmm. you know, black lives, which is so important right now. Operas like, like Blue um, um, by Miss Tissot, right. which is on at Washington National Opera right now and about to be mounted at ENO in London. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, this is this is an exciting time in, in history, really, isn't it? I mean, right. we're, yeah, yeah, for sure. We're, we're able to do deal with many social and social injustice issues, but also a real role for for black singers and artists in this day mm -hmm. being highlighted. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, difficult to see uh, the, when there's pushback on such things as uh, the truth. <laughs> but uh, exactly. yeah, we still are getting that, unfortunately. But uh, I think uh, watching uh, 12 Years a Slave, I just uh, saw on the, on the flight over uh, from uh, Tampa. I was in Tampa before this and uh, going through New York and then on to uh, uh, Zurich, actually, is where you make the connection. And it's only about an hour 
you know, train, train trip, uh, less than an hour, get to San Galen. But uh, I was watching that uh, that movie, and I could see some people, maybe a couple of people next to me, sort of, you know, getting a little squeamish, and uh, as I was, because it's not easy to watch. Um, no, it's not. Uh, but but at some point, you start thinking, you know, well, this is what happened, and this is this guy's account of what happened, and it's not something that he necessarily made up. I mean, he was experiencing these things, and uh, and so you take that and you learn from it. Um, and then as he was watching the. Some of the things are connected. Paul Robeson is watching uh, the, uh, the documentaries and the movie uh, with uh, Jesse Owens, and he also saw some of the injustices there. And then the, you know what the Nazis were perpetrating against the Jews, and uh, seeing the parallel back and forth. And you know they've always, you know, the, right. the Germans have always taken the the best stance to to understand, to learn, and to uh, try to uh, you know make uh, make some sort of you know just reparations, but sort of to uh, to make sure that it doesn't happen again so they know very well what happened and uh, how they can avoid it in the future so there's mm-hmm. no there's no sense of trying to hide or to try to uh, ignore uh, what actually happened uh, for the most part it's in the government you know that <laughs> that they, they can't do that so you know holocaust denying this is not something that it's something that's illegal so we don't have such thing in the united states unfortunately about the things that actually did occur so that that is that's problematic, but again, there are so many people, so many forces that want to deal with the truth and to bring it out and to uh, accept it and and learn from it. And uh, that happens on all sides. It's not just uh, when you're the minority or the majority or whatever. You understand that it's important to know where you are and, uh, and to be fair and just and to look forward. Evolution, evolution takes us forward. You know, you're, you're so kind and, and you're so sensitive speaking about this right now. And I have to think that um, with your approach to Paul Robeson right now and being in Europe at the same time, it must bring back some sense of, of, of time, you know, or timelessness about Paul Robeson's dilemma in life in his travels. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did try to speak up for social injustice. It was misinterpreted. You know, right. he was he was literally banned and overnight his life changed. I mean, even he made one speech and even before he knew what was happening, you know, he was he was practically being thrown out of the United States. It's right. it's it's like the ultimate horror story, isn't it, Mark? I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Well, yeah, I mean, in this context that we're, we're living in now, uh, you can see that words are cert- certainly misconstrued and uh mm-hmm. And uh, you know, changed into something else that they mean. So this was very poignant, especially the time that he was doing this. You know, in the the fifties, as they were saying that if he had been saying these things, and he was, there's so many liberal uh, people in the thirties that uh, they could say almost whatever they wanted, and uh, it was accepted. Now, when you went into the time of McCarthyism and whatnot, it's all of a sudden everything became uh, very much con- conflicted after the war. And uh, anything that was said as far as the uh, rich uh, China and, uh, and the Soviet Union uh, became something that was always a, a dog whistle, whatever that, uh, you know, red flag, oh dear, this is something we have to look into. So it's for him to go for eight years without his passport, it's just it's sort of mind boggling that it uh, took that long uh, with pressure actually from, uh, you know, people in, in Europe as well to have his passport reinstated. So it wasn't just the conscience that came about uh, and the people have asked me uh, one of the things that I put in the program for um, 
New York is um, something that I sang just with the Greenwich Village Orchestra. It's uh, Nemico della Patria by uh, Umberto Giordano uh, from Andrea Signier. Uh, it talks about, Gerard talks about the awakening the conscience. And it's really important, awakening the conscience of, of the people so that they understand what it is to make, to turn, uh, to turn men into gods, uh, to make the world a pantheon. All this, I'm taking just that sort of end of that aria to put it in because it would have been the same thing that Paul Robeson would have lived for, would have wanted. Mm -hmm. So that sense of conscience of um, the founding fathers, you know, Hamilton, Jefferson, if they had come out to this awakening that so many different things could have happened because they, they knew what was going on. They, they, they talked about it, you know, whether it was, uh, um, you know, the sense of, well, we put this constitution together that it's such an incredible document and it has such incredible meaning. It's Martin Luther King who talked about living up to the, uh, you know, the, the whole thing about the, the, the creed, what, what we set forth that we should live up to that. And right. so, this is, uh, again, what Paul Robeson uh, had to deal with, even the beginnings of it. It seemed like when Jesse Owens, when he came back, he thought everything would be fine because, you know, 1936, he had won these four gold medals and that he was going to be, things would change. But, you know, first thing he comes in New York and they said, no, you have to go through the service entrance. There's a there's a you know, dinner honoring you. You're the, you know, the main person, but you can't go in the front door. So that sort of sense of what Paul Robeson had been going through so early in his life, uh, I mean, I thought, uh, saw just a couple of comments about his legal career, having, you know, a law degree yes. and uh, starting out in a law firm. And uh, they sort of just say, well, he saw racial in injustice. But I mean, they, many places, a couple of places, maybe not that many say specifically, there was a, a, a woman uh, secretary who was not of color who refused to take dictation from him. And uh, the head of the, uh, the law firm that said, we have people who will not want uh, you representing them because those corporations that were pre predominantly white uh, would not have uh, a black person representing them in court or even being in any type of a, an advocate for them, which is strange for us today because certainly we think about diversity, we think about inclusion, we think about this uh, you know, multicultural sort of society bringing about something that's very rich and powerful. Uh, but uh, at that time and still, there are people in our society that don't believe that. Uh, so this is what he had to deal with. He was the he was the forerunner, and it, I think it still has to come out more and more because people have said during this con doing this concert there will be people who still don't know who we, he was and what he represented, and uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's so many things that again, as Jesse Owens coming back having won won four gold medals, well, Paul Robeson was already uh, an All American, the uh, first time uh, you know for, for a person of color, African American person uh, having that type of, of award. And uh, certainly could have been in a football league, as in the precursor to the NFL, uh, but not in the you know, NFL. Right. So, so, so things that he us, couldn't do. Mark, tell us a little bit about Paul Robeson's early life. I mean, we know he was brilliant, but doing mm -hmm. research for this interview with you, I I was astounded at how much Paul Robeson had accomplished in his early life because he was simply so gifted. He was gifted right. intellectually, he was gifted physically, and he mm -hmm. certainly had this unbelievable musical talent. I mean, he could have gone many ways. Right, right. But, yeah, but I, life here it, stopped him. I mean, except right. for on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's still uh, phenomenal, I think, about all the, the movies that he was actually in. 
And uh, yeah, so many of them typecast the uh, Eugene O'Neill connections with the Emperor Jones and uh, all, all guys chilling got wings, you know, those That's are right. what came right before Emperor Jones. Uh, to know that he had this possibility to had a charisma and then he did the Othello uh, as well. He did that in London and uh, uh, not able to do such a thing in, you know, in the United States, but uh, a lot of criticism that came forth from anything that happened there. All guys chilling got wings. They, one of the critics didn't like the fact that there was a, a a white woman caressing his hand in the in you know the play. Is that wow? That's that's something that that would have caused that was causing an outrage, you know, something like that. Um, and another kissing of the hands. So um, yeah, I mean to have somebody as a valedictorian uh, again, the, uh, the law degree, the All American football player. Uh, the speaking all the languages, trips to Africa, speaking the African dialects, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that's uh, something that he took very seriously. He did a lot of research on those things uh, to hear him talk about some of the, you know, the Irish, there's an Irish song he's singing. He goes back to the Gaelic and how it connects to some of the other roots of uh, the languages. So he did a lot of the research into those, uh, into the languages. And you can see how uh, they would have uh, happened that way. He did a lot of the um, songs that he sang, uh, you know, the Russian songs, uh, he would do them in the uh, translation. So if you do the Russian, then he'd do right after uh, English. So there was a sense of connecting. I'm doing one of the things like that would be uh, the uh, Elijah, uh, Lord God of Abraham, uh, Hergot Abrams. Uh, and I was asked, uh, why, why would I include that? Paul Robeson didn't sing oratorio, but actually he did. In the, the movie uh, Emperor Jones, it calls for him to... Um, and one of the scenes for him to whistle a tune as he goes off, you know. And so he said, I, I, I can't whistle. So I thought, well, one thing that Paul Robeson couldn't do, he couldn't whistle. So the, <laughs> the, the director, director said, well, just uh, hum something or maybe sing something. So then he wound up singing, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac. And, and he's out on the street doing that. And the, the chorus director uh, with his choir was saying, what, what's, that, what's that voice? What is that voice I hear? Oh, my gosh. This guy is somebody singing outside. And so that's started, apparently. His, uh, his singing, his concertizing and whatnot uh, took off from that sort of incident of him uh, being identified as having a voice uh, that he could sing. I mean, it's not, not the same sort of, um, I guess, the formal training that Marian Anderson would have had Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that they talk about, the critics saying, well, yeah, maybe he didn't have the, uh, the discipline, the discipline wouldn't be disciplined at all, but just the training that he didn't really want to be tainted too much by formal training. He wanted that voice to stay natural. So I think uh, that sort of uh, uh, influenced him as far as what he wanted to do with the voice. I think that's why the spirituals came in very yeah. uh, profoundly, because he thought they should convey something, especially about the, the African American people, that he uh, had a, a responsibility to do that. And that he sort of looked down somewhat upon those who were going in too much the other direction. Because he, seemed, he saw it as a little bit of a, not necessarily a betrayal, but sort of a, a not focusing in on, on the roots as much. that bail you get a little drunk and your land's in jail 
always kept going back to recruiting offices when I was at St. Joe's. I left the seminary, St. Joseph's College. I left the seminary and I was still there on campus uh, studying, finishing my uh, bachelor's degree in uh, sociology and music. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went to the recruiting office a couple of times. I was wanting to be a Marine, I think. And uh, so I got discouraged. Uh, they wanted me not to be going into the officer's training program. And I got some of that going on with the, the documentaries that I've been watching, Jesse Owens and whatnot. Yeah. All the qualifications, all the things that, uh, you know, earning my degree, almost getting my degree in the bachelor's in sociology, music, that would have lent itself to doing something like that. But I was being discouraged. So uh, I thought, well, this is not, not what I want to do then. Uh, if I want to go into the military, as my father had, as my brother had, I, um, I wanted to uh, make sure that I pursued it and I had to, could excel to the higher limits. But uh, again, the ceiling still was kind of there with the uh, individuals who were recruiting. Maybe if I had gotten somebody else, they would have uh, given me a different Maybe. story about uh, what I was, my aspirations. So a big risk. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my world. Yeah. Um, feeling little bits of things like that. Um, the uh, discrimination. I also went to Thurgood Marshall to uh, understand more about him. Again, a wonderful documentary online I hadn't seen before, because I tried to understand what this man, which is incredible, uh, one of the uh, what Kagan calls, and Justice Kagan is probably the, the greatest attorney of the you know the 20th century of all the things that he did, all the cases that he won over and over again, applying before the Supreme Court. And um, you know, I came to do things in law based in um, fighting for. Uh, visitation of my my, uh, my uh, younger son and uh, so I was in the Chicago court system for about 15 years doing my own legal work uh, and so I, I start you know learning quite a bit uh, about that and having respect for the law and certainly I respect them for Thurgood Marshall and what he, what he went Without through question. but again there was the, the yeah there was those times and that connects in with uh, Paul Robeson having had a legal uh, you know degree and uh, it was in a law firm and but totally couldn't do certain things so you know, Marshall coming just after that and certain through the NAACP uh, representing them, he was able to do things that uh, Paul Robeson couldn't be a part of. And he saw that right away. So that cut short his ability to, to practice law. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, who knows what he could accomplish there? Who knows what he could accomplish as a, as a football player if he got into the NFL? Yeah. So yeah, there's so, so many, many things, things, one after the other. Yeah, yeah stop. Exactly. but that didn't stop the man. That didn't stop him didn't from stop trying him. Yeah. to change the world and open right. our eyes. I mean, in, yeah, yeah. In, in, in your way, Mark, you're doing the same thing. You, you're trying to change the world with your music, with your interpretations, with, with what you choose to do as right. an artist and how you choose to do it, which I think is significant. Um, right. So, you know, kudos. Well, you'd, hope, you'd hope so. The, thing, the, the things that, that came out when they talked about the people who didn't become political, who didn't speak out, and that connects into these times. We're talking about LeBron James. It's oh, just, just shut up and dribble, basically. He said, no, 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 no. I have this platform right. and I will speak. Paul Ropes had said, right. I've got this platform and I will speak. And uh, he wasn't going to be silenced uh, at a time when other people, you know, the, the Jackie Robinson thing is right, right there that. Uh, Jackie Robinson sort of took another another path, and mm -hmm. he was given the opportunity to talk about Robeson, and he said, "Well, you know, I I don't think it's a great thing that he's saying that uh, you know African Americans shouldn't uh, you know fight in in the war, basically, or in the uh, Korean War, in order to go other places and fight for justice when they're not actually being given it here in, in the United States." So that was 
that was something profound, but it was something that was, that was true, what, what Robeson was saying. So, and he wasn't going to back down. He wasn't yeah. going to, you know, mince those words that he felt. But, uh, but at an earlier time would be possible. But Marcus, so. I understand it. Jackie Robinson later in life recounted his statements. You know, he, he mm. felt really quite yeah. guilty about what he had said. And um, it, it's, yeah. just, it's just a sign of the, the, those times, isn't it? It was about self-preservation, really. You know, there's no right, question right. Paul yeah. Robeson was way ahead of his time in so many ways. Mm-hmm. If the man had been born right. white... He, he could have been mm-hmm. the next president of the United States with his various right. talents. And, um, but all Easily, things yeah. inside of him, you know. It's, it's interesting, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that he used his platforms. And he, unflinchingly, unflinchingly. Right, right. We've had so many things to put into the concert in New York that I think something we can't quite delve into much is unfortunately his athletic sort of background and some of the the things that happened with rutgers uh i had learned his uh, alma mater the song and whatnot and uh so we just you know again run, run out of time and uh, we have to take out a few things but uh, again we, the family and stuff is there the family the, the history wow. the you know the religion and whatnot and then you have the movies the uh end up i goes from the beginning to the end with the movies and the um a little touch of oratorial that you know he didn't necessarily ever do but he did in the movie in the uh, the Emperor Jones and the theater and, uh, you know, with his uh, Othello. And, uh, so th- there's a lot there uh, that still we're only going to touch on. It's it's so much that you could actually do. You could actually spend weeks of doing these sort of programs Absolutely. and Absolutely. touching on one thing after the other. And that, folks, were the words of operatic bass baritone Mark S. Doss. The music that was included in this interview was Thousands of Miles by Kurt Vile, sung by Mark, and of course the iconic performance of Paul Robeson in Old Man River. Mark's devotion to Paul Robeson and his performance of Here I Stand at Lincoln Center on April 1st is as important as the legacy that Mark leaves us with his own talent. Please go to markesdoss.com for more information about this artist. And of course, to my website, centerstagewithpamelacoon.com, for more shows on the arts world. Now, everyone, stay safe out there. This is Pamela Coon, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage. The pathway.